Blog Talk Radio. There's a direct relationship between having the businesses and being in prison. Go find an Asian, see how many Asians you can find in American prisons. They ain't going to be in there. But 51% of your prison will be black because you don't, blacks don't have any businesses and industries. There's a direct link. Blacks won't practice group economics. Blacks won't practice group politics. If you don't practice, you're setting yourself up. I told that five-story building, you're setting yourself to get wiped out. Understand the nature of race, which is economics. If you, if you build the first floor, it's economic. Build your businesses and your industries. Control buildings and industry, and put that pools in your money. And hold that money. And, it's a, and practice group economics <clears throat> with it. Arab and Asian money bounces 12 or 13 times for at least. Jewish money bounces 18 times. Black folk got to learn how to practice group economics. Black Americans spend every penny they get outside their own community. Then you take the money and the wealth that you get from that first floor and go to the second floor. The second floor is politics. You then take that money on the first floor and you control your politics. Black folk must quit allowing people to tell them to go out and vote. Vote for what? Nobody's going to do anything for black folk in politics. Politics is controlled by money. Major corporations who got the money. That's what controls politics. If you have no money, you have no say-so, you have no benefits coming. So you take your money and you control and you take your money on the first floor, you buy every politician on the second floor. And any politician you can't buy, you rent or lease them to get what you need. Then once you get the second floor under control with the politician, with your money, then you go to the third floor. The third floor is then is the police department and the court system. You take your money from the first floor and your politics on the second floor and you control the court system and the police department. Then the fourth floor, you t- the fourth floor then is media. You then take the money that you generate off the first floor from business and industries <clears throat> and you go after radio stations, TV stations, newspapers, and cable systems so that you can now inform and communicate with your own people. Right now, <clears throat> black folk only control less than 35 thousandths of 1% of the media in the United States. Out of 12,000 radio stations, black folk own about something like about 75, 80. That's all. You own no cable systems. You don't have a daily newspaper. You have nothing of importance. You don't. You got about one black TV station. And you, so you can't communicate with your people. You can't inform your people. You can't do anything. You can have Rush Limbaugh and all the rest of the guys talking about racism all day long and bad-mouthing you and O'Reilly. They can talk, call black folk all kind of names all day long. What are you going to do? You can't respond. You can't even communicate with your own people because you, you don't have an economic base. 51% of all the prisons in the United States are black people. You know, even though you only make up 12% of the population. That's no accident. It's because you don't control the economics and the politics. And they're going to go after the weakest people they can get their hands on to incarcerate them. That's the black folk. And what are you going to do in response to them when they, when they, when they over-incarcerate you? You're going to go out and have a march, a demonstration. We're going to march. March for what? Who cares? Marching has never changed anything. If white immigrants can come to this country 50 years ago with nickels and dimes and no education and come here and pool their little nickels and dimes and no education and set up little stores, develop these stores into larger stores, develop this into an industry which creates job opportunities for whites. Since Lincoln was supposed to have freed the black man 100 years ago and today the black man, according to the government economist, has spending power of $20 billion per year. We feel that with the black man spending $20 billion a year, not setting up any businesses, not creating any industry, not creating any job opportunities for his own kind, he's not in a moral position to point the finger today at the white man 
and tell the white man that he's discriminating against him for not giving him a job in factories that he, has, he himself set up. If the black man has $20 billion, and these so-called Negro leaders are such geniuses that they can integrate white restaurants and integrate white factories and integrate, force themselves into that which the white man has set up, they should use this same ingenuity to show the black people how to pool our wealth and set up something of our own. And then we won't have to force our way into his anymore. One more thing I would like to point out concerning what he said about 125th Street. We don't waste our time on 125th Street, but you can reach more people in the street who want to change than you can in the bourgeoisie society, the bourgeoisie church, and the bourgeoisie circles. We, our program is directed toward the man in the street. So we spend our time in the street, and what we do with that man, instead of trying to change the white man in your mind and make, make you accept us, we change the mind of the black man and make him accept himself. And as soon as he accepts himself, he'll solve his own problem. He won't be trying to force himself into your factory and into your bedroom and into your kitchen.
And it's time for another installment of It's My House. And today's podcast, we're, we haven't done a sports squadron in a while. So we have a sports squadron edition today. Today's podcast is titled College Athletes, Scholarship versus Paycheck. Or should I say college athletes, scholarships uh, versus Paychecks, the live stream number is 619-768-2945. That's 619-768-2945. There's been a few discussions, some rumblings over the last few years. I guess it's an on and off discussion. Should college student athletes get paid? Um, and probably a better way to state that is should college student-athletes well, or better yet what type of compensation should student-athletes get paid? Now, the the type of compensation and I'm a former student-athlete Scholarship student-athletes. Student-athletes are already compensated in the form of an athletic scholarship. All right. So we're going to break down exactly what that means. We've got a guest that's calling. He hasn't called in yet. But six one nine zero six eight two nine four five. We're going to take a two minute break. I got to get some statistics for you guys, uh, so we can continue on with this conversation. College athletes, scholarships versus paychecks.
All right, we're back, and today's podcast, once again, is titled College Athletes, Scholarship versus Scholarships versus Paychecks. The live stream number is 619-768-2945. So you have a number of people uh, some of, in all walks of life, from former professional basketball players or, or football players, uh, former athletes, current athletes, parents, kids, the neighborhood drunk. Um, should college athletes be paid? Okay. And I, I want to tweak that to should college athletes be compensated? Because they're already compensated. They're already compensated because a lot of people, when they say, well, you know, you can come play for us and you'll get a free, edu- uh, a free education. First thing, if you play for a school in exchange for, you know, a degree or what have you, that's not free. You all, trust me. You are working. That's your work study program. The, the the academic scholarship part that goes with the athletic scholarship is not free. The players, the student players, student athletes' work requirement is: a, you got to go to class and pass. Okay, not an easy test. All right. Number two, so you got to. You got to get the books. Number two, you have to, in college, at least on the basketball level, when I was in there, it's practically year one. You might get a year, I mean, a month off out of the entire year because they always got you training before the season starts training, and then after the season is over with, you might get a couple of weeks of break or spring break or whatever. You're, you're, it, it's a job. When I was in there, I felt I was in I was going to work. So if you are, it is not free by any stretch of the imagination. What I've taken the day before I open the phone lines on this is, and once again, college athletes, scholarships versus paychecks. All right. I went on a scholarship. And just for me speaking, I like the scholarship form of compensation better than the paycheck form. And here's where I'm going to go with this. Uh, And you can go online and follow me on this. Georgetown University. I didn't go to Georgetown University. I went to West Texas, what is called now West Texas A&M University. When I was there, it was West Texas uh, State University. But anyway, if you go to Georgetown University today, all right, because there's a cash value on these scholarships. If you go to Georgetown University in 2018, the cash value, the tuition is $66,700, I mean, $66,971. That's the actual cash value of tuition at Georgetown University. If you go to Howard University, the cash value, at least two years ago, the cash value of of tuition at Howard University was something like, $48,000. $48,000. I'm not including 
food. I'm not including a place to stay. So I'm looking at it when I went to school, and I know some rules have changed between the time I went and today. But I'd rather take the scholarship because, number one, it's tax-free. If you give $66,000 to an 18-year-old, 17, 18-year-old, 19-year-old today, or even then, okay, then, and you leave, first thing, $66,000 won't be $66,000 because it's going to be taxed on the local level, it's going to be taxed on the state level. Next thing, you got to eat. So you take some more money out, take about $5,000 out of that um, to eat for a year. And then you got to have a place to stay. All right, in Washington, D.C., where Georgetown University is, particularly. If you're going to stay near the university, which is in the Georgetown section of Washington, D.C., you're going to pay, let's say, $1,000 a month rent. And then, trust me, because even when I was in school, and I'm sure change have, things haven't changed on the DNA level, I was telling a friend of mine yesterday, when I went to school, the number of black athletes that graduated from the time I entered as a freshman, and it's time when I graduated four, three years in four years. There were only two black athletes, scholarship black athletes, that graduated. I was the only black that graduated uh, that had a basketball scholarship. The other guy, a friend of mine, uh, he's been on here a few times, Milton Smith, football. That was it. Two. In four years, a lot of guys come in, or girls too, and they, they flunk. They, the first by Christmas, they're gone. They washed out because they they didn't go to class. They didn't take advantage of the tutors they had access to. This, that, or other. But in any event, so my side of the coin is this: I think the scholarship. Um, I think the scholarship, well, that, that works for me. I think it's a good choice now. Of course, there are, there are options out there. Uh, I, I'm an admirer of LeVar Ball and the Ball family. He took his uh, youngest son out of school. I'm a big advocate of homeschooling. I like that movie he made, his kids over in Lithuania. Uh, I like that movie, too. Uh, the son that got, uh, 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 what do you call it, uh, uh, had a UCLA scholarship, went to China, uh, had some, uh, got up on some uh, theft charges, shoplifting. Uh, he went back to UCLA, but then his father took him out of UCLA. He's over and left him waiting in that seat. You know, looking at the situation, good move. All right, because you do have options. You do have options. So the scholarship, which is a form of compensation, is a, it is an option. Okay. LeVar Ball has not started his league yet. LeVar Ball's innovative idea is for the, the people that are graduating from high school that do not want to attend college, because college isn't for everybody. Okay, I get that. He wants to set up a league and where they get paid like what? Anywhere from $1,000 up to maybe $3,000. But that league has not been set up yet. 
Now, I, I know the NBA has a, a D league or whatever. I don't know how that operates and how it is how it is compensated on that that point or whatever. But uh, like I say, if you took the cash value of a scholarship, and it all depends on the school, all right, because there is a cash value to those scholarships, all right. If you took your money out in cash in the cash value. The cash value is going to be depleted because of taxation and expenses. Is on a scholarship level, you're not getting taxed and you're getting full value of the room, the board, the uh, the tuition, um, and the the other things that you have access to on a college level. But I'm just one person. So I take the the scholarship and then let the let the college make their millions or billions because you have access. Once you're a student at a university, you have access, and that's a very important word. You have access to everything that's going on at that university and whoever's at that university. And then during the summertime, because from pocket money. Uh, during the summertime, you know, I I I worked uh, at the you know the, the school's uh, bowling alley, pool hall. I, I had a job there. And then during intramural season, I picked up extra money. This is all legal, all above board, all legal. You know, I refereed games. You know, because basically my room was taken care, my board was taken. If I needed transportation, I had a social network. If I needed to borrow somebody's car. You know, I was during the season you're traveling more than the average person travels in a lifetime. So I was good. All right, but that's just me. All right. And once again, all tax free. And I don't you know what? I probably would have effed off fifty or sixty thousand dollars when I was that age. Because the one thing that nine eight, seventeen, eighteen, ninety, nineteen year olds would do is you get around the women, you'll you do some stupid shit. Um, Spending-wise. Spending-wise. Okay. Anyway, but that, that's, that's, my, that's, that's my side of the take. It's not the only, it's not the only part of the picture. Uh, let, me, or let me find my studio and go to my studio here. Uh, push one, if you're already in the studio and you want to comment on it. Today's com- I mean, uh, topic is college athletes. Uh, scholarships versus paychecks. Should they get a paycheck? And once again, I had to say the the, the classroom part. It what the system as it is now. It is not free. It is it's, it's an exchange. You get that to be. Somebody's paying for that, so it's not free. They're, they're working for it. So once again, if you have want to punch in on this conversation, six one nine seven six eight two nine four five, or if you're already in the studio, which we got some people in the studio already, just press one, and we'll bring in on the conversation. Um, and we do have some people, but they haven't pressed one yet. Um, on. I'm trying to adjust some things here. Uh, should college athletes 
receive a paycheck and uh, or should we continue on with the scholarship method or should they have a choice? Okay, D, like I said, if you're going to Georgetown, uh, and you, the coach comes to you and says, hey, here's what, we, we'd like you to play for Georgetown, you have a choice. We'll give you a full athletic scholarship, cash value $66,000. Would you like to, would you like to, and all your expenses are paid, or would you just like us to give you $66,000? Now, if we give you the $66,000, mind you, because this is in Washington, D.C., the D.C. government's going to get their cut, D.C. taxes, the federal government's going to get their cut, federal income taxes, uh, you're going to be responsible for your food, and um, you're going to have to find a place to stay. You're going to be responsible for that. But we'll give you the $66. Okay, so you got a choice. I would go ahead and take the scholarship, but that's just me. Uh, 407, your mic is open. Good morning, L.A. My dad and I are on the line, and um, he's in Chicago. I'm in Orlando, and so if you have any questions for him first, um, I'm not sure how long he can stay on, but his name is Sherman J. Howard. Um, he is a retired uh, NFL football player and teacher and athletic director and football coach. So he played all kinds of sports in college, but he played back in the uh, 1940s, 50s, and he taught in high school for uh, almost 30 years. So, Mr. Howard, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Okay, now, he, he was a, a college uh, I guess I'm assuming he went to college on a scholarship. No, you can talk to him directly. He can. You just oh, ask yeah, him yeah, directly, yeah. Mr. Howard. Yeah, this Mr. is L. L. A. Davis on the line. No, I, I was yeah, on the GI on. Bill, but there were a lot okay, of guys okay. who were on scholarship. What now? How did the GI Bill work? Well, the government would pay for all your tuitions. And all your fees and for your books, so okay. you didn't have to rely on the university. But there were several guys okay. who were not who were coming in at that time, because I was twenty twenty two when I went to college, and a lot of guys came in at eighteen. So ah, the scholarships okay. they were getting was relying on the university. Okay. All right. Well, okay. But, uh, so the, the government paid for our, our education. Okay. All right. Up to, Man, up that's to six nice years. To it. Up to six years. Now, 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 what do you think? If you had the, or right, what do you think should happen today? Do you think? Um, what do you think should happen today? Do you think? Um, because you offer. Oh, I guess you. I guess your point. Yeah. No, no, he'd have, not, he'd have to uh, adhere to everything the coach said. He was right. under, he'd be under the control of the coach as far as scholarships was concerned. Right. The time now, and everything else would be under the coach's control because he could now, the, eliminate his scholarship and all his fees if the coach felt necessary. And you know what? That's so you, were, you would be strictly under the control of the coach if you're on scholarship. Right. Now, that's a very good point you bring up, because when I was in 
we we had one year it had to be renewed every year. So essentially, if things didn't work out, if you flunked out of school or didn't get along with the teammates or the coach, that you know, that that was it. Yeah, I understand. So yeah, what now? What do you think about people that say that uh, athletes should be paid? Well, that, that, that's that's a you're talking about a, a a worm bag. That's a big one because they'd have to change all the rules. And that would right. be specifically for the athletes. Wouldn't be for the coaches. Now the coaches make the millions, but the athlete does the performing, and also he suffers from the injuries that he sustains while playing football or whatever, whether right. it be basketball, or whatever. You are still under the control of the coach. Now, it, they say if you had to pay them, that they would would be ineligible for college. Well, they pay them in different ways. See, they might have a a fund for athletics from outside the school. And the way they right. use that is they give you 10 tickets for each game. And you'd have a you know, central guy who you gave these tickets to. They're all prime, prime tickets right on the 50-yard line. Top games, you might get $1,000 for each ticket. You know and what? It I, wouldn't I'm come to the university. It would come from the guy who was the feeder for people who were on the tickets. You know, I'm glad you they... brought that because yeah, I'm glad you brought that because when I was in, that's another benefit that we got, which was included for each home game. We were allowed to give uh, leave two tickets at the will call tickets. You know, for anybody that might want to come to come to town or. or or want to get into the game or what have you. So there's a cash value on that too. So like I said, a lot of these people that that say the athletes should be paid, like I said, they're already paid. That's why I say scholarship. I named this podcast. Schol- We're talking about compensation. A scholarship, a college scholarship, which includes college tuition, room and board, has an actual cash value. That is non-tax. Well, that's and, true. You're right there now. Yeah. They are paid, but in a different way. Yeah, they're already paid. Yeah, they're paid. Yeah, they pay you. They pay you. Now, like I said, when I was in college, all right, you got four tickets for each game. Now, right. you're the top athlete on the team. You might get six or eight. Now, mm-hmm. he would take that to a particular guy in the city or on on the campus, who everybody knew had always had tickets for the game. Uh, this guy who was in charge of these tickets, he charged whatever he wanted to. A top game, he might charge $500 a ticket. So he, he might have four tickets from you, so that's $2,000. He might have five <laughs> tickets from so-and-so, so he he gets his little cut. He might have, You um. might have... Five hundred dollars worth of tickets, and he wants a hundred dollars. But the guy would get four hundred dollars for the for the tickets. So each game that would add up. Now it's not any straight out handout for money, but that's the way they, they that's the way they do it. And you stay know, within I the rules of the aspect of it. I, I, you're right. I never thought about that aspect of it because, like I said, we we had. We were allowed two tickets per game uh, to leave for people. 
But you know, I we were allowed for that I knew we were trying to leave them. I never thought about the profit, you know, selling them or whatever. See, according to the size of the stadium, if you got a right. seventy thousand dollars stadium, you might get four or five tickets for each game, and they reserve. Uh-huh. So, so that would be out of a team, uh, most of the regulars, the thirty or forty guys, fifty guys. That's only two hundred seats. So uh-huh. each guy gets uh, four or five tickets. And that's only two thousand dollars or seventy thousand, but the money mm-hmm. would not go to the university; it would go to the to the to the, to the player. Uh, top guys on the team, they might ask for ten tickets, and on mm-hmm. a, a bowl game or something like that, you you make that's where you make your money. So that's how yeah, they that's pay them. Although they say the athletes are not getting paid, but again, you got to remember. 75 guys on the team, and many of them are at least 40 or 50 on scholarships. And a lot of guys on the team never get to play the whole four years they're on the team. But they get so right. many tickets per game. And that's well, how that's they get true. around it. Because if they, they, they can't just outright say we're paying the athletes. But it always, right. they also boost the club. You talk about booster clubs. Booster clubs would... Uh, Bringing all, they might give a booster club two two hundred tickets per game, and the booster club would sell them and then split it up with the players. You know, so that's how uh, these I'm how the system works. You know, I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up because uh, every see this is a, the typical person doesn't bring up. Every college team has a booster club at our place. We call them the Cajun Club, and typically that's made up of business owners. Which, and that's what I'm talking about. If you're on scholarship, or in your case, the GI Bill, you're part of the team. You have access. So if you're on a team, and you, you might not even get any playing time at all, but you have access to that booster. You have access to basically wealthy people. Some of these people Because I know one that's guy right. that's part of the booster club, this, this guy owned a radio station. You know, a friend of mine, another teammate on my team, this for my own the school store. So it, it, you have access to some, I mean, wealthy people that with another guy owned a newspaper. All right? Oh, yeah. That's, the that's true. Newspaper in town. So the thing is, you have access to these people that will, they, a lot of these people will bend over backwards to help you make it. All right. So it, it, a lot of these things, people just don't, you know. Um, well, I say, it's, it's big business rent. because, again, when you get together, coach making $10 million, that's chicken feed compared to what the players get. And he's the one doing all, yeah. the, all the playing. And the thing about it, which is coming out now, many of the players are living into old age, and they're suffering from the injuries and things that they had while they were playing. And right. if you're on scholarship, the coach expects you to play. Uh, you might get your barrel run, which is a concussion in a game, but he expects you to be ready to go back in after it give you some smelling sauce because you're on scholarship. But, but at the same right, time, right. if the coach is sick, coach stays home. And he still gets paid. Yeah. That's true. That's just a, a very, very... I would say a very nasty situation that if you start trying to talk about paying players, that open up a big can of worms because nobody wants to hear that. Although they have to do it on their own 
and make innovations in how they do it. And many coaches, and if they got good. a top player on their team, they you bet he's getting some money somewhere. Somebody's paying okay. him. Uh, don't, let him, don't, 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 don't let him say he's, he's not getting paid. If he's good and somebody and he's good enough to be the one starter, and he's bringing in that money. Somebody's giving him some money. It used to be the old saying: many guys who go into pro ball take a pay cut because mm-hmm. they're making more money in college than they are in the pro ball. I would say a lot of hip, hypocritical acts going on. While, or, so when somebody's talking about the hell, everything's on top of them, don't believe them, they're lying. Okay. Because uh, you can't survive. You can't survive. You can't survive uh, on a, a top-rated team. You you're in that top-rate top ten without paying some some athletes some money. And don't let anybody tell you any different. All right, today's podcast is about college athlete scholarships versus paychecks. The live stream number six one nine seven six eight two nine four five. Now I knew when I was in and it. Uh, they broke it up though But they had an athletic dorm uh, So I see the athletic dorm uh, The basketball team had their own section And in the training table Where all athletes We ate the same food that the other students ate You just got to get more of it Alright uh, But anyway if you got to, I'm from a scholarship school of thought I think An 18, 19 year old kid is better off under the scholarship system. However, you do have people that say uh, they should get a paycheck. But once again, if and every scholarship has its cash value. Once you convert that cash value into a paycheck, like I said, if you went to Georgetown, the cash value of a, a, a Georgetown uh, tuition is a little bit over $66,000. So if you converted yep. that from a scholarship, to a paycheck, the tax man is going to take their cut right off the top. So the sixty-six thousand dollars right. of value is no longer value. You don't get that back if you receive a paycheck. Uh, press one if you want to chime in on this conversation. Area code three one four. Your mic is open. Well, you're right in terms yeah. of uh, how, how the system works now. Uh, that's that's the only way I they can operate it because it's all about money. Like they say, follow the money. And those those seventy, eighty thousand seat tickets at thirty or forty dollars a piece, that's quite a bit of money. That's not counting the popcorn and the pop and all like that that's uh, that's that's big, big money. And so the athletes well, realize it and the coaches realize it. They got to pay some, I don't, uh, some money some kind of well, way. I'm like okay, you, uh, uh, we got a new call LA. Yeah, uh, Hockey, yeah. Uh, what's your comment? Pianca? I don't think that those players shouldn't be getting those a college player shouldn't be getting paid to play football. Uh, if that's the case, then should they be paid before they get to in high school? Should they be paid in the summer? What's at the sports team? JF Junior Football Leagues. Well, see, you 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 asking some you asking some questions that they don't want they don't want to hear. Because well, that's, that's what I'm the saying. basic problem you're going to run into. Should the, should the coaches be paid what they get paid? Well, yeah, the coaches are grown. The coaches are grown, and coaches sign contracts. College players are not signing any contracts. That's a whole different thing. If that's the case, 
then why don't you let the uh, the NF uh, the NCAA eligibility what stops at 25 years age? Well, let's let it go to 30. Let them continue to go to school and play college ball until when they're 30. They just keep taking courses. You're right. I agree, I agree with you on that. Now, how you're going to solve that problem is another thing. And that's what, what's then, happening right now. How do you solve the hypocritical attitude that's about college players? Now? You got a guy who's going who's going to make you win 10 games. What do you do with him? How do you handle them? So uh, you say, well, I don't want him, and if you don't want to play just for a scholarship, okay, you go 0 for 10 then. So what you do? What do you do? How do you handle it? You got athletes you bring in there at 6'2", six, six, two, 260 pounds, can rush him, have pass and everything. What do you do with him? Do you say, well, I got this roof, I got this roof. And this guy is going to make you able to win 10 games. And 10 well, that's games what in the high average college team, that's a lot of games. Well, that's for the now, school. How do you handle it's, that? That's for the school in itself. And, well, okay. you know, you talk about the those the money that that sports team, that football team generate, uh, they use that money to fund other scholarships and other sports. And the funny thing about it is sports that blacks don't even participate in. You know, if you got that well, much black presence on the field and on the court, then that should be a demand that you have black presence in the other areas that support the being able to play those, put those sport events on. It need to be in concessions, need to be in ambulance service, landscaping, audio visual, and so on, so on, so on. Well, and if that's, you start that's paying problem, players, you, know, you you bring up so you, these problems. That's a problem they got to solve. And they haven't been able if to do it so far, because they, they hard, he hard And see, Arthur, you bring up a very good point that because a lot of people are looking at the players, but they're not looking at the people like you, you know, like their trainers. When I when I was in school down in Texas, I was in the Panhandle, Texas, straight up cowboy country. In my four years, I did not see not one, not one black person that was a student trainer. These guys were training, you know, they were our age as a student, but they would be taping up the angles, you know, doing stitches or whatever. You had none of the people uh, that was uh, pursuing career opportunities that way. Then you had sports, you know, you had people that with the sports information department, the athletic uh, director department. You had no, and, it, and all those, all you need to do is just walk into the door. Can I help? Well, yeah, you're absolutely right. Well, you're you don't right have blacks in those sense, positions. But again, you got to realize, again, it's not about the sport and all like that. It's about the money. Well, but what it should be. What kind of money is your sport it should be. Yeah, but it should be And if you want to bring the money in, you got to get the top players. And if the top players want some money, what do you do then? Well, let me ask you something. How do you produce the top players? Even with the top players, the top players, one of the poster boys, because there's a gazillion of them there, I mean, Harvey Martin, Dallas Cowboys, broke. Allen Iverson, $100 million, broke. So you're going to give somebody all of But you know what? Let me get somebody with a high uh, sports IQ here. Uh, Walter Ray, you there? Yes, how are you? 
So now, you, you take right, what, Alabama, for example. I know Luke Saban, I mean, Luke Saban real well. He he goes out to get the top players. And he doesn't say, yeah, you just play for Alabama. He's got to give them some incentive that the other team, other coaches won't give him. Because he could be bringing a freshman 230, I mean, uh, 260, 270, can run a 540. Now, he's not the only guy trying to get that guy, so he's got to give him an offer better than somebody else. And well, how do, time, how do a top player money. become a top player? How he come, how he come, he, he's, he's developed from high school on. I mean, All right, then let's hold on right the there. Hold, hold on right there. Okay. Well, the parents, and, it's, and we're talking go. about both sports, the parents who sacrifice to get their child at, tra- at practice on time, to get them equipment, and so on and so on and so on, in order to, pro- to provide a level of competition for a top player that's in college to become a top player. Well, those parents that's should right. be paid too. Is that what you want to say? The, world, the, the parents are in on it differently. Well, the parents should be paid too because how many – hang on for a second. How many sacrifices was made to produce a Kobe Bryant and a LeBron James all through their basketball career, starting off from when they was kids all the way up to college, up through high school? Parents had to all sacrifice. Right. They had to put on these events. They had okay, to get their kids to these events. Hold Oh, okay, so now what are you, what are you suggesting that the fans get rewarded? Well, if if you want to pay college players, then you should pay the people along the way that produce that top college player. All right, okay, all right. Now, this, all right, hold. On. I got to put Mr. Howard. I, I got to put you guys on hold. I'm gonna come back to you in a moment. Walter Ray, you have a high sports IQ. What do you say? <laughs> I don't know how my IQ is, but um, the one thing that is never recognized, everybody just writes the kids off. We talk about the kids, but the kids don't get a voice. So, um, I mean, it's a revolving door. The kids come in as freshmen through their senior year. They're in and out. The people who are making the decisions, calling the shots, are making billions and billions of dollars. And we're talking about selling tickets and making a thousand or a scholarship or getting a free education or getting something where it's basically a stepping stone toward being successful, where Coach Krzyzewski is going to be successful in two weeks, whether he wins or loses, with the kids and an answer to your question about where do these kids come from and who should be compensated, oftentimes that has kind of a spin on it of the integrity of good parents, the integrity of good people that help them along the way. But a lot of people that put the Kobe Bryant and the LeBron Jameses in these positions to be successful, so-called, are the people who don't have good intentions. It's AAU teams. It's vultures. It's people who have capitalistic agendas who do nothing but use kids. And for every Kobe Bryant and every LeBron James, there are thousands of kids who put just as much energy in her, just as good a parent, who didn't get the rewards. So they're not the household names for this conversation or any other. And basically, as far as I'm concerned, it's a billion-dollar market, and our kids get peanuts. Our kids have to struggle and work and get paid if they do the right thing, if they get the right grades, if they don't get injured. There's so many ifs involved, but there's no ifs involved for the for ESPN this week. There's no ifs involved for uh, for Coach Shashel. 
Gretzky. He's get paid. He gets paid win or lose. If Maryland's not even going to make the tournament, there's no issue for for Coach Turgeon. He's getting paid. So we don't have any conditions. We're putting all these conditions on the voiceless children that come from our communities, and that's who really should be getting paid to the communities to produce them. I don't know if I answered any of your questions, but. Well, all right, now, that, that's a good idea. That's a very good idea. The, what A community basketball team. Well, they used to have that. They, 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 they used to have that until AAU moved in and decided that they were going to take it out because the, the communities, especially during the 70s and 80s, during the Georgetown eras, were coming from black cultures. So they moved it out of those black cultures and moved it into Las Vegas and Florida and places where the Kentuckys and the Dukes would have an equal playing field because John Thompson grew up in those areas. And so they moved it out of his upbringing area, community, so, so-called, and moved it to, uh, and, and moved it where the Kentucky, because there was a time where it looked like the, their sport was being usurped by strangers. Hmm. All right. Well, well. So, so as, far, as, far, as far as helping, as far as helping the kids, our kids are used as a piece of meat. Our kids are out there. We, and, 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 they're, these people are institutionalized. Our kids are revolving during it, in and out of the sport. By the time it's their time to protest, if they do decide they should be getting paid, they don't have four years. They don't have time to set up a platform, to set up a voice, to set up a, 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 a station where they can voice their opinions. And by the time they get their degree or they move on and they get a job in the coaching field or in the front office field or doing whatever they're going to do with their life, the new generation has no uh, institution, no stepping stone, nothing to stand on as far as the nobody's arguing their point of view. Everybody's arguing for the adults. And why? Because the adults are the ones getting paid. It's a self interest. Mm. Okay. Oh, hold that thought, Walt. Seven seven zero, your mic is open. Yes, I, I like to speak. Um it seems like a lot of you gentlemen on the call are much older. I am um I've been out of college the last I played college ball to almost less than 15 years ago. I graduated okay. from Morehouse and played at Morehouse. So when I played oh, college that's... ball, hello? You know, I was getting ready to say, uh, uh, Mr. Morehouse, man? I'm a Morehouse man, too, man. Say that again? I'm a Morehouse man. Oh, yeah. The guy yes, was I'm, just I'm speaking is a Morehouse man, so I already like what you were yes. say even before you say it. Yes, I, so I, I played under Arthur McAfee, his last year coaching, and I played under Coach Brewer first year. So I got a taste of old school and new school. Well, Coach McAfee okay. coached me his last year coaching. You know, he he was all about giving us real money, and our real money was only seven dollars. So as a student athlete, you trying to keep us healthy and want us to eat right. $7, you can't get nothing but junk food. At the same time, when Coach Brewer became um, our coach, and Andre Patillo, um, he used to be a big-time referee, he became our athletic director. With Mr. Patillo, knowing how the big-time school worked, he upped our meal money to like $12 so we could get a decent meal. Now, I agree with the gentleman that spoke before that the kids are not able to speak. The kids are the ones that have to go out, go to class, go to go to practice, go do a game, you know, not go party and not have their social life or so have you. 
But at the same time, on the football level, on the basketball level, you got tickets like right now here in Atlanta. You got the NCAA Southern Regionals. The lowest ticket is $132. That's in the 400 section. That kid won't get close to that to that, to that dime or that money. So I believe that you should challenge the kids. I believe, I believe every kid should get paid the same amount. If that's $500 a month. But at the same time, the kids should keep an academic standard. Because as we know, the NCAA also judges scholarships, how many, what schools get scholarships based on the team's GPA. So now you, you keep the kids academically responsible. Now you're getting them to earn the money, not just giving them the money because of the proceeds or what's given to the schools, but the kids get to earn the money because they also performing in the classroom. I also believe also if you have top kids in your, on your team, let's go back to the Chris Weber situation. When I remember a story, he told me to album that he remember walking and he's walking past the bookstore. They're selling his jersey for seventy dollars, but he needed to ask Miss Album for gas money to get around. So if you got to have to leave like a Chris Weber level, and he, they're selling his jersey in a bookstore or in the local stores around campus, I believe he should get a proceed or percentage of that because the school is benefiting off of that. The 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 NCAA is benefiting off of that. And the coaching staff is, is, is off of that. I'm the grandson of Mr. Howard that's on the phone. He made a, prof- a profound statement that made sense about the coaches when the coaches get sick. One thing we got to remember, if a, if a kid signs at that school and that coach wants to leave two years after that, that, that kid signs, that kid has a four-year scholarship. So if he transfers, he has to sit out a year or he has to go through all these issues to try to get back eligible, whatever school, that coach will get paid. He's going to get paid probably from the school that he left, and he's going to get paid at the next school. So I disagree that a scholarship is not a contract because it is a contract because on the baseball level, if you go to UGA, they sign your contract on the baseball year by year. So it is a contract because you do have to perform and meet those requirements that's within that contract. So I think payment should go into it because of the fact that if you're signing a contract, which is a scholarship, then you should get some kind of incentive if you're performing and what that scholarship tells you to do. It's just like, and all you're doing is preparing the kids for the next level. Because when they get to the pro level, they have to they have to stay within those guidelines of that contract to be able to get that contract that's guaranteed to them. That's my well, some good points, but particularly with the the the, the, web, the jersey thing. I mean, was the jersey that Michigan? What remember? What, he went to the University of Michigan. Was the, the jersey right. with his just his number on it? Or did the jersey have his name and number on it? No, it had his name on it. If you remember, that's when Nike had first came out, and they really were performing. You know, they were really bringing out, you know, the baggy shorts and everything. So Chris Webber jersey right. in the bookstore, if you want an official jersey, it had his number on it, and it had Webber his name on it with the Nike emblem. So See, that, that opens up a whole – that, yeah, that opens up a whole can of worms because – that's intellectual property, but that's right. That's, but we need to educate ourselves on that. Let me go back to uh, uh, Mr. Howard. You had a comment, huh? You had a comment. Speak now. No, I think you missed the whole. Hold on a minute. Hello. See, the one of the whole thing you got to go back to the beginning. The whole scholarship program 
was based on the, uh, getting athletes to represent the school in athletics. Right. And so that's what the scholarship program was about. Now it got to the point where you had to win in order to uh, get, keep your scholarship. And that, that, was a, that was not the original point. The point was the boy was going to participate in, in the sport for a number of years to represent the school. That was, that's what it was all about. Now you're getting to the point where a coach got to win. So to bring in the crowd, and the crowd brings in the money. And now you get into the money angle, and once you get dealing with the money, you get all kinds of ramifications about, well, the sports program. And that's where it is now. It's about the money. Not about the scholarship. It's about the money. But so I, every I team, every coach is worried about the money. He's not going to get his job or keep his job unless he brings in the money. And so yeah. the scholarship Amen. program has originally attended has lost its value. Yeah, the college is really yeah. cutthroat because if you don't win, just like on the pro level, if you don't produce a winning sports team on the college level, you're gone as a coach. You're done. Well, what you're, they do now is yeah. if, if, if you don't produce, they cut your scholarship off. But you're, you're gone, but you're gone. Still, you came there with the intention that you had a four-year scholarship to participate in the program of your sport. Now, yeah, if you don't win, if you're like not that in, good, um, you're gone. Yeah, they cut that out in 76. Because when I went in, there were one little new. If it didn't work out or you flunked out, you don't, it doesn't roll over to the next year. Well, yep. see, they've yeah, cut yeah. guys. They've guys have been on program, four-year scholarship. After a couple of years, if he, they find out he's not as good as they thought he was, they cut, they cut him off the program. And that's wrong. Scholarship is a scholarship. You say, I'll guarantee you four years of scholarship. If you participate in the sport for the school, well, that's, now that, they that's get, off the word get, participate. So what about these teams that that don't go to class? Okay, you you got why carry a person for three more years and they don't go to class? They just they just take up a room and they eat. That's right. You, that, that, that's yeah, right. I, you know, cut, I say cut them. But uh, going back, now, to see, you got, that's office. why you got to check the. Check the program. What kind of kind student are you getting? Is this guy coming in here to spend two years and try to go pro, or is he coming here to try to get an education? Now you got a big problem, and that's well, what, what the problem what, is right now. What, the guys come in, in they expect to spend two years in school and then go pro because the, 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 the courses he has to take after the second year, he can't handle. Them. Well, well, Most of the coaches of now, they 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 they, they are recruit for two years, knowing the guy mm-hmm. is going going to be gone. Especially if he's good, he's gone in two years. He's not going to wait for getting a degree. So you got a decision you got to make. What kind of guys are you recruiting? Mm-hmm. And on top of that, a lot of these college coaches, I just know my coaches, ones I had in college. It's more than just coaching. They had to have a, a, a relationship with the business community, the, uh, the mm-hmm. booster club. They've got to keep that money flowing into the department. To the, to the well, that's, 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 that's not your. That's up to the university to select people of integrity no, no, the, the, and who are willing to work time, sure for, the, for the educational program. No, now, but if I'm you don't get that type it. of guy, yes, your problem. But these college coaches, yeah, uh, well, 
Yeah, yeah, and Lee, like you said, you're talking the 70s. That was the Cooley High era. That was the way for a black kid to get out of the ghetto, the education thing. Yeah. I love yeah. education. I think that's one of the major component pieces of what I, we as the people need. But at the right. end of the day, this is not about education. They don't care if you have a 3.8 or 1.8 or 0.8. They are using you for four years as a piece that's of true. meat to win games. Those coaches are not – those coaches can get fired for losing, and then they go get another job. It's an old boy network right. with musical chairs. Coaches get that's fired right. in 2016, and they get other jobs that's in 2017 right. somewhere else. That's the right. kids that's are the right. ones that have to walk on eggs, who are delicately right. tiptoeing around this sport. If they coach, if they leave a school, they have to sit out a year. Yeah. The coach doesn't have to yeah. sit out nothing. If anything yeah. goes wrong with the kid, the kid, the kid breaks his knee, they will take his scholarship away, and it will happen not, and he don't, they don't care if he had a one point eight or two oh point eight or if he's eligible or where he's going with his life because they've moved on to the new fifteen year old that they need to win games at the next level that they have that they are on. That's right. It, this, That's this, right. This, this, this is not you we are overemphasizing the importance of education when it comes to what these coaches work for us. We love education, but they can care less how smart you are yeah. if you forty five years or if you fifty years old and you went to NC State thirty years ago. They don't care if you got okay. a degree or not. That's okay. not an issue. Well, on the table, right. that's not on their conscience. All right, well, what what are some possible solutions, Eric? Let's take a 16-year-old or 17-year-old junior, let's say senior, okay? You all, you only got four years to play in, in school, all right, on, on a college level. What, what options do you think should be on the table? From a, from a student's point of view. Yeah. Because, like you said, from it's a, business. Like I said, what? From, from, a, from a 17-year-old's point of view, what do you, what do you, what options do you think they have? Both I mean, it depends on the 17-year-old. Are you one of the after um, uh, um, 17 years? Are you one from one of the, the premier, brand-name AAU teams? You have different options. Some 17-year-olds that are better than the ones with the brand-name teams don't have nearly the options as the ones who are with the Nike-sponsored teams or the big-name teams or the ones who are the funnel systems or the pipelines for the ACCs and the Big East who've had relationships for 10 years and who have tennis shoes in their trunk. Mm-hmm. And can buy the kids. Mm-hmm. This is it's it's, it's so different. There's another kid, but and, and those kids have been nurtured since they were eleven and twelve to be the ones to go to these schools. Where some kids who might not have been nurtured doesn't have nearly the option because he wasn't nurtured, so he has that one point eight because they weren't fixing his grades or helping him along or getting him tutors or making him eligible because he wasn't in investment until late. Until now, so I mean, I mean, so, so I mean, there, there's just so many variables to that. There is no formula for any one kid. That's the thing. They try to categorize or or, or, or just have a robotic kind of system for how we help our kids, and doesn't work like that. Okay. All, all the kids are different. All the kids are different. See, the game has changed. AAU is taking it in basketball, where it's all you come from this program, you're going to get the chances at the Clemson's and the Maryland's, and then you, and, and and these are our top 100. The first the first 90 get to go here. The last 10 have to go to Howard or Morehouse or Coppin State or 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 or, 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 or junior college. You and and they rank they rank you. It's adults. 
doing that kind of damage. So that, that's a whole other story, a whole other issue. But as far as far as for what, but once you get in, you are making these adults millions and millions of dollars. Whether they have a right. bad season or a good season, whether they coach you right or wrong, they are getting paid, and the kids aren't. And nobody, like I said in the beginning, has anything to support the kids with a debate or argument or a point of view. And the kids don't have a lobby group. These old men are organized. They're at the final fair going to. That is a convention for coaches. They're talking about the right. next 13, That's 15 right. year old. They are not talking about right. a 19 or 20-year-old and whether or not he should get That's paid. Right. They're trying to get That's paid right. off the next group of babies. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's so true. So true. <laughs> So true. So true. See, like, so it's true. an open can of worms here. Right? You're right. The coaches are a lobby group. All right. Yes. Now, on a player's yes. side, there is no lobby group. Well, well, if you get if you get the parents together, if this this say for instance when when Sonny Sonny and when he had the Adidas camp and if he and when they had the Nike camp instead of how they do the AAU tournaments now, and you brought all the parents together with the top kids that are invited to those camps, and you educated them and told them this is what's coming up against. Your kid might have this agent coming to you, this college coach, and this is how you handle it. If you educate the, the parents, then the parents would be the lobbying group for their kids. Now, they can form groups and have a strong group that can say, hey, no, we want this for our kid because our kid brings such and such to your university if he signs there. It goes to the point of way for the latter. Walt, with ego, yes. I'm going to get back to you, brother. Walt, with ego, that, that might be a project for ego. Well, the, pa- the parents have the power, but the parents are unaware because the parents are organized. I mean, Trevor Ball is uh, an exception, not a rule. Most parents, if they have a kid that is in basketball, if they're treated right, good. If they're treated yeah. wrong and they learn from the experience, they don't have another right. LeBron James that got messed over. My first LeBron James got messed over, my second I wrote. But you're not going to have two LeBron. You don't have. So basically the parents are just like musical kids. They're in and out of the system right. and they moved on to raising their kid, their 25-year-old instead of their 15-year-old. So, so they don't have any kind of longevity or institutionalized interest in basketball. They're doing it because they're mm-hmm. the team model and they're being good parents and they care about Junior being as good he's going with this traveling team and he's up at the YMCA and he's, he's doing something yep. positive with sports and he likes basketball. But they're not yep. going to be the ones. These coaches have been doing this. They've been, Bobby Knight's been around this game since, since the early 70s calling shots and having influence. <laughs> you know, and, yep. and, 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 and so many coaches are the same. The coaches are, like I say, an institution. <laughs> and, yep. and the parents yep. are, the, par- the parents are moved yep. in and out and at the, at the wish and whims of the kids. They make the legislations. Yep. They make the rules. Nobody questions yep. any, any of these rules. These rules don't make sense. Where is five years to make four, to play four years come yeah. from? Where is the Proposition 48? Nobody's arguing. John Thompson walked off with his towel off. He made a symbolic gesture back in the 80s. But since then, that law has destroyed so many lives of black kids that deserve a chance because they didn't have that test. And at that time, if you remember, Duke had never won a national championship. That was a that was a, right. a legislation that got Coach Krzyzewski right. finally to 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 cut That's the right. next down. <laughs> you know, That's and, right. and nobody. That's under- right. 
That's right. And do you know how many black kids have put just as much time into the ones who are getting prima donna treatment from the AAU programs that are supposed to be chosen and selected that have left out of the game? We as a people, we have more kids who are disenfranchised and victimized yep. by basketball than, than, yep. than, 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 than the other way around. It, it's not worth one LeBron James for 100 Trayvon Martins. That's right. And uh, uh, all right, let, we got a comment from Mr. Howard. Mr. Howard, you have a comment on this? Now, what were you talking about? Well, you know, I can I just can I just can I just say this? Uh, Cedric made a good point, uh, and I, I think Cedric uh, has a lot of good insight because he taught in elementary school, he taught in high school, he's participated in college. He made a good opinion about bringing more parents in to participate at the high school level and then educating the parents about what is going on, especially politically in the college level. So, uh, Sherman Howard, I think you can comment on whether we should, whether they should indeed bring the parents in more well, into this process that's going on. Well, one of the parents are going to have to be proactive. We should lose point of the kid is going to college to get a get an education, a degree, so called. Now, ninety percent of them, that's not what they go to school for, especially in athletics. Right. They go there hoping that they're good enough to go into the pros. Right. Education is not the main issue because right. they don't recruit, recruit now to get the kid in education. They recruit right. scholarship-wise, athletically, to get the kid get, to, to win games. Now, at one right. time, scholarships were supposedly for students who were trying to get an education. They want to get a four-year education in a particular area. Now, 90% of them, that's not what they go to college for, especially if they're athletes. They're hoping they're good enough to get drafted into the pros and make some money. Now, yeah. the other but point, with the other point, with the parents can get involved in, make sure what their, their student is going to school for. What do you want to do? Why do you want to go to college? Okay, you find mm-hmm. out why he wants to go to college. Number one, you've got mm-hmm. to find that out first. He may not be going to college, but what you think, he may be going to college for a different reason. And the coaches know that, too. And when they come out to recruit you, especially when the coaches come out to recruit you, they're looking for athletes going to help them to win. Now, the parents may think it's different, but that's what they want. They don't care whether he got a 0.2 grade point average. As long as he can go those first two years and give him a good, good, good two years, that's what they want. Now they know mm-hmm. he may not. He's not gonna last three, four years, because that's mm-hmm. not what they're recruiting him for. They're recruiting him for mm-hmm. the first two years, hoping that mm-hmm. they can get two years out of him, because they're gonna mm-hmm. recruit the next guy for two years, mm-hmm. and they go for the mm-hmm. next two. But very mm-hmm. seldom are they recruiting a guy thinking he's gonna play for them for four years. And the mm-hmm. parents gotta get that straight with their kids before they go to school. Why are you yeah. going to college? What do you want to do? Now, if he tells you, if he leaves leaves high school with a top-rate athlete, they were they working for him to go to pro, and so that's what the problem comes up. You know, they've changed the original intention of the scholarship. Now, with girls, but as far as going pro, no matter what sport—football, basketball, whatever—that's less than one percent. 
That's right. That's what. But but that's that's that that might that that might have that mindset. If you got a hundred players that leave high school that want to go pro, only one out of the ninety nine is going to go pro. Right. Right. But if you well, want to well, well, you can't well, hold on. And, and like you say, there's one out of ninety nine, but there's a hundred people who are trying for that one out of ninety nine. And all of them have parents. And those parents are these coaches are master manipulators. The parents are as competitive as the kids. So the, the people that we need to organize and work together as one, the parents, are actually working against each other and they're being manipulated because they don't want their kids well, to be number 98 and 99. Well, they don't want their well, kids to be but, number one. But, the, kids, but the, par- the parents are not educated. I, I'm, I'm telling you, exactly. I, I referee AAU basketball. And you should hear how these parents their kids gonna be the next Kobe Bryant. Exactly. They put their hard earn. I mean, they put their blood, sweat, and tears in. The parents be more upset for losing the game than the kids do. And so what exactly. I see that the, that what, what it is is that if we educate the parents early, like they're putting their kids in AAU ball in second grade, which is which is um it doesn't make sense to me. But you put your kid in AAU in second grade. Yeah, that AAU program should educate this parent and let them know the odds, the numbers. Hey, okay, I understand you're putting your kid in basketball. You want him to be in the NBA. But these are the numbers and the reality if he doesn't make it. I got a, I got a true story I want to share with you guys recently. I was just talking to one of my friends. My friend Shannar Long. I don't know if you all remember him in the late 90s, early 2000s. He played on the Georgetown and the John Thompson. His mother passed second semester of his uh, second semester of his sophomore year at Georgetown. So he moved back home here in Georgia. He transferred to Georgia State when Lefty Giselle was coaching down here. He transferred here. He took the left. He took um, Georgia State to the Sweet 16. They lost against Steve Blake and won Dixon that year when Maryland won the championship. Make a long story short. He didn't graduate. He went overseas. That didn't work out. Now he has two kids and he's married. So I asked him, I said, well, Shannon, why haven't they retired your jersey at Georgia State? Because you put up numbers, you led them to the NCAA tournament. See, I don't have my degree yet. So my point is, if his parents were educated, his mother passed, but his sister, if his family was educated, they could have negotiated, okay, Lefty, when my son transfers a size of scholarship here, if he decides to go pro and he doesn't make it pro, well, at least you guys, he can come back and you guys will cover where he can finish school. That's where they're doing our black kids injustice because once they don't go pro and they don't make it back, they're not giving them a, 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 giving them their degree so maybe they can become an undergrad assistant coach or maybe become a manager or an agent or anything. They're not doing anything to educate our kids. So, okay, you're not playing, but you also are doing something with the game that, that has nothing to do with playing. Because in my opinion, playing is you're nothing but a high-paid player. That's all you are when you play. But you got to do everything that owner tells you to do. You got to keep your body in shape, all this and that. They don't just like my grandfather said, if your knee hurt or not, we still want you out there. We don't care. You, we pay you all this money. You're our investment. So I just feel like the parents need to be educated at the youth age so they'll know the odds and know 
Hey, my child, I, hey, I'm just so, I want my kids to make it just so he can get a scholarship. Is that D1, D2, D3, NAIA, or a junior college? As long as they're getting their education and they're getting their school paid for. That's where the parents are looking. So they want their kids to be the next superstar on TV. And and, and, and that's where it gets lost at, in my opinion. Good points. Good point. Well, Next question is how you gonna pull the parents together on a grassroots level? Yeah, yeah, good point. Hey, you can you can put you can pull all their kids up participating. My my thing is once they their kid becomes not that blue chip player, not the scholarship player, or right. not the right where they want them to become, will the right. parents drop out of the school like the kids dropped out of school? Right. That's right. Good point. Good point. Mm. And, 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 and that's where we need the we need the parents' wisdom in the long run. We don't need them just because Junior is is, is twelve to seventeen. And we don't need them for those right. five years. We need them after seventeen. We need them to that's coach right. the next group of parents. And that, that that's, that's right. where it comes. Like so, we're not making the same mistakes over and over again. We're making mistakes now that were made in the nineteen seventies and eighties. But since it was right. David Thompson and not and, 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 and not LeBron James, that's corny to talk about to young people. That's true. Speaking of LeBron James, how old was uh, how old was she when she had him? Fifteen, I think. Yeah, no, I think she was LeBron, twenty. She was twenty. She was twenty. Because LeBron, was 20. Uh, did he live? He didn't live with his mother part of his high school years, right? I, I don't. I don't, I don't know nah, the story. He lived with his coach. He lived with his coach from from his high school. That's what we pretty much was raised with in his high school years. It's high school. Okay. Coach. So basically, the coach kept the meal ticket close at hand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That's part of the CYO system. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, let's mm-hmm. see. We got another call here. Seven seven three. Your mic is open. Good morning. Good morning, pleasant. Good morning. You know what they're using our kids for? They're using our kids for slaves. That's what's going on. Absolutely. Like mm-hmm. And we do not develop the ability to. So we do not develop. Let me give, let me give everybody something to fight on. The Jesse Robertson, right here in Chicago, they won the world championship of their of their uh, winnings because there was nobody on our side of the fence to validate. We let somebody else That's all I wanted to say this morning because I want to go back and listen to these young But there's a lot of good discussion in this. This is that if we don't get in control of our schools, our and our always be that's a good point. We we don't have control of our schools. We don't have control of the kids. Yeah. Um, we need to be the ones that supplying the scholarship to our children and not being dependent on somebody else because they are making dollars to raise the salary of the teacher. Where does that money go? Well, uh, Walter Ray, 
Your forte your is um, helping kids get scholarships. What's your yeah. idea on uh, having more black parents create some type of a, a, a scholarship fund slash lobby group? Because um, you're right, we need we need to start cutting scholarship checks to our kids. How can we start doing that? Uh, my wife is in an organization, a national organization, right? That we give scholarship scholarship to kids every year, so that they well, if, if, if you take if you take the proceeds that AAUs AAU are making off of these kids and put it in a scholarship form, I guarantee you you'll form some scholarships that way. Because when you have AAU teams at seven and under give you a case in point, and the whole summer they're spending $5,000 per child, and they're only in the second grade, and we don't even know 10 years from now if that kid even want to play basketball, that's where, all, that's where the extra money is, AAU. Mm-hmm. They're paying for uniforms. they paying for and I, I don't do AAU, but I've got more kids in school for basketball and football than AAU. I turned out pros the whole nine yards because I go around the ones that, around their politics and take the ones who are deserving, who are left out, mm-hmm. and I created a platform for them because there are so many, and I would have. 50 kids in a gym and every coach in the country has been to my open gyms because mm. they were right because, because it became a uh, it became a, a, a part of the, the stopping and shopping with, in the D.C. area because they were going to the big time AAU program, they were going to the Democrats and then they were stopping my gym mm. they that slippery floor but there's so many kids that have been traditionally left out that's where I got my blueprint from watching people that I grew up with not get a fair chance so I gave them a chance and there's crazy numbers if I said I have one Allen Iverson they're like well how, why do you think he's good nobody else does. But when I had 50 and 60 and coaches started showing up, it snowballed because most of the kids are actually getting left out. My favorite players are the underrated. My, my favorite players are the ones Stephen Curry was down there a D2 player, <laughs> according to the experts of the time who are now kissing his butt and saying, we know you on the long step. You know, and, 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 and my gym was full of stuff, courage. You know, a bunch of people who were the best players on bad teams because they never got the process or the cultivation to the top where the opportunities are most prevalent for going to the pros and going to the ACC or the Big East or having Nike cater to you and so forth. So basically, I was getting scholarships without giving out scholarship money. I was getting them scholarships. If I get four kids scholarships, at, I mean, 10 kids scholarships at $30,000 a year, that's, if they do the four years, $160,000, which is $1.6 million. So I was doing major favors in that, in that regard, but that was how I did it. But if I ever had any help and anybody believe, I went to Morehouse. I went to Howard. I'm like, why can't I HBCs? Because the kids that are going to Duke, their, their parents and fathers and mothers and uncles they went to HBCs because they had to. Right. Now that they don't have to, they won't, they, won't, they won't empower their own HBCs. There's something the matter with that. And like you say, we need That's to put right. those kind of lobby groups that as soon as they reach a certain level of popularity success, they're gone. <laughs> so so yeah. uh, do, do you blame the kids or do you blame those parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles? I blame, I blame yeah. the latter. 
the LeVar Ball thing of starting a league on starting the league on a community level for people that want to play. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, well, that, that's well. AAU is all over. You know, you if you that's what my daughter-in-law did. She, my oldest grandson is playing uh, basketball at college, and he went through the AAU, and then now this youngest. And he been playing for AAU for the oh he was playing before he got to high school, and he been playing mm-hmm. the last four years. So AAU played during the summertime, right when the kids get out of school. That's when they had their big tournaments and everything. So he's playing. He live in Katy, K A T Y, Katy, Texas, and he plays. Mm-hmm. I I suggest you look up the AAU because he even have a, a page out there. Uh, where they they represent, he got a he was a booklet for AAU students, the outstanding basketball player. Now, Walt, thank uh, thank you, Mister. Uh, Walt, now you're not a fan of AAU, right? No, I'm not. I'm not. Okay. Now, what could you give us? I mean, the audience reasons why you're not a fan of AAU. Well, I mean, I mean, and, and let, let me let me refer. Actually, I like basketball. The basket's a ten feet, and you're playing it on, and, you, and you're doing the right things. But AAU opens the door not so much for basketball players, but a lot of people who are just politically motivated. Some coaches do it because they're helping their kid, and then they're out, like I was talking about. Some people are doing it because they have represented themselves as the eyes and ears of Atlanta, or the eyes and ears of a major city, New York or DC, and elite, and and they're more exclusionary than inclusionary as far as they're leaving more kids out, but they can't tell Nike that. They can't. They get shoe contracts and represent themselves and they get in bed, like you said, with the CIO teams or the, the people who have the clout with the major media outlets. And, they need, and, and, and then there's so many kids that get that fall by the wayside because instead of them saying, hey, I represent some of the kids, they're basically putting it out there, putting their face up front saying, I represent all because they can't go back and say, we missed one. So with that being said, like I said, it's more people that put a lot of time into this sport. You go to one of those AAU tournaments, you see thousands of kids. And if, if 200 of them are getting scholarships, that's 800 kids that put just as much time, many of them deserving, who aren't getting a thing out of it. And you play AAU now from 8 until 18, people get medical and engineer degrees in that, in that, in that in those spans of time. And here you are with nothing to show for it but some old dusty-ass trophies. Um, I'm proud with that. You know, it's like, wow, this, this is really, really sad that we put all this time in it. And like I say, everybody's not a great basketball player. Everybody's not deserving. But a lot of people are being left out because of adults with political motivations hurting children, hurting kids, leaving kids out. And the kids don't know. If you have tennis shoes, I know when I was 14, 13, and you had some tennis shoes, and you were offering to me, I was smiling, I was your friend. That's not changing, that dynamic. And that's sad because they're, they're, they're basically almost to the extent of, as my man said, modern-day slave traders and predators. And they are using our kids, and then they represent themselves as care 
caring about kids, and I have a problem with that because that is, to, to me, one of the, the uh, uh, essentials of what AAU stands for, is they're leaving people out more than they're let, let, letting in. They were all, I've seen it, they were all jumping on one kid and, in, in, in a class and fight them, the, the so-called power broker AAU programs, they will fight after him and leave the other 100 out, and that attention goes, it's a quota system. There are only a certain amount of people from the D.C. area who are going to Duke and Maryland. There are only a certain amount of people from the New York area that are going to St. John's or our Big East or whatever those conferences are going to be put on the, the course or the the, road, the pipeline that perhaps might take them to the pros. So that attention is going away from people who are more deserving, and that's my problem with AAU is they are the corporate, they are the politically motivated entity that – these many kids out, and I'm an inclusionary. I'm like, hey, let's saturate the worthy kids from top to bottom. If you're worthy, let's be a part of it. But AAU will say, oh no, that's a D2 player. They said it about my kids, and then my kids have got to be and then fourth leading schools in the country, second, you know, have led kids all American and making hollow things at different schools. But the AAU eyes that be the, the expert opinions had, had, had distanced themselves and I had to go find another platform to get them back in the mix to get them back in the system that they belonged in all the time because AAU has monopolized and cornered, and cornered, cornered the market of influence to the outside world which is the, 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 the culture that hey, you're our eyes and ears you're what, what, what you say is gospel and there's been so many people who have been victimized by that and I uh, agree with you sir my uh, my grandson, my oldest grandson, played with the AAU. Like I said, from grandma, uh, well, middle school all the way through high school. And when it was time for him to go to college, there were no college, and they had promised that he would, you know, they would have him in a college where he would be able to play basketball in a college. And he did go away to college, but it wasn't what AAU did. AAU didn't do anything for him, as far as exactly. Money that my son and daughter-in-law put into AAU, and my daughter-in-law is a computer expert, so she do all the everything on the computer for AAU and set all that stuff up. So, as far as I'm concerned, they using her and her kids. But I, you know, I'm my grandma. And if it's mm-hmm. keeping them out of the out of the street, then y'all do what you have to do. But I, I, I don't go, I don't agree with what AAU do, and I don't mouth on AAU. Now, I never would have told you my son played play for AAU because I don't advertise for AAU. I want nothing mm-hmm. to do with AAU, and I agree with what he said. If you got some money, AAU will drain you for your money, and when your kids get ready to go to college, they don't have nothing to show for what those years and hard work. And my grandson that went away to college, he was outside in the morning at 6 o'clock. He could shoot some basketball. He know how to play basketball, but it was always something wrong. And I'm saying if you're training, that's me teaching a child to learn his alphabet and his numbers, and he come up with both somebody, and he can't Sam or well, who who's that fault? It's not the child's fault. I was in charge. So that's how I feel about AAU. It's good for the well, people let, with the let, money. Out of the street and have them doing something. It's a good thing for them to, to keep them busy. That's that. That's basically to me what AAU do. Pictures and stuff that they put out there for my grandson now. Jacob. Jacob is an ex. I, I, if you see him, he looks like a Steph Curry. So he t- try to do Steph. Curry, you know what I'm saying? 
sure he's a left hand and he can hit them three points and he can uh, run up now. But as far as I'm concerned, he still has to get good grades in order to go to college. Let me so play is, this clip. Uh, let me play. Excuse me, sir. Let me play this clip. Uh, and on what Malcolm X said several years ago. If white immigrants can come to this country 50 years ago with nickels and dimes and no education and come here and pool their little nickels and dimes and no education and set up little stores, develop these stores into larger stores, develop this into an industry which creates job opportunities for whites. Since Lincoln was supposed to have freed the black man 100 years ago, and today, the black man, according to the government economist, has spending power of $20 billion per year. We feel that with the black man spending $20 billion a year, not setting up any businesses, not creating any industry, not creating any job opportunities for his own kind, he's not in a moral position to point the finger today at the white man and tell the white man that he's discriminating against him for not giving him a job in factories that he has he himself set up. If the black man has $20 billion, and these so-called Negro leaders are such geniuses that they can integrate white restaurants and integrate white factories and integrate, force themselves into that which the white man has set up, they should use this same ingenuity to show the black people how to pool our wealth and set up something of our own. And then we won't have to force our way into his anymore. One more thing I would like to point out concerning what he said about 125th Street. We don't waste our time on 125th Street. But you can reach more people in the street who want to change than you can in the bourgeoisie society, the bourgeoisie church, and the bourgeoisie circles. We, our program is directed toward the man in the street. So we spend our time in the street, and what we do with that man, instead of trying to change the white man in your mind and make, uh, make you accept us, we change the mind of the black man and make him accept himself. And as soon as he accepts himself, he'll solve his own problem. He won't be trying to force himself into your factory and into your bedroom and into your kitchen. Well, on to your basketball court or football field. Looks like we got to get back to the basics, people. Walt, what you say? I, I definitely agree. Um, like I said, I agree with the, with, that, with the lady and her daughter and her son. And, I mean, that's why I put my organization together was because, and I'm sure everybody on this line can share this story, that the best players or the, some of the most deserving players were always in the hallway, were always the ones on the playground that never got the TV. And that's why I started. I'm like, I'm going to give you an opportunity. You might not get the prima donna love that you probably deserve as far as the system is concerned, but you definitely will get that free four years of education or get that four years away from the streets, away from the city, away away from your community so you can meet some new people. And, you know, I mean, to me, meeting new people from different places is just as important as reading, writing, and arithmetic when it comes to education. And, I mean, that, that, that's the, that, those are the opportunities that I put out there, and it was because I did see it and I saw And ARU is nothing but a mask of what was happening yesterday. It's just a new twist on it, a new name. It's not because it became some new monster that, that sprang out of nowhere and made some unfair uh, uh, entity against the game, against, against the integrity of the game. It's always been like that. It's always been 
of the unfairness, and that's what I try to do. Just, I, I know I can't balance it all, but I try to push as many people as I can, um, especially I, mean, I went to my house, and hey, we, the first thing they teach us is you be a social engineer. So anywhere I can help, and, I, and now I've been doing it for a while, and the people that I help, they are 33 and 34 and 35, and they didn't understand it then. They knew that they were being left out. They knew they were being discriminated against as far as their talent was concerned, and now they look back and realize that those four years were because I organized a vehicle where they could experience those different new things, and they look back, and now I do have that army, that program building together as far as, hey, let's work together because instead of one me, now it's, uh, it, it, it's it's 30 knees, and they all work together. They grew up together. They grew up in different neighborhoods and different areas where on the face of them, they were supposed to be adverse to one another, but through basketball, we use that to show, hey, we're the underdogs, and not only are we the underdogs, we're the underdogs on paper, really, you're the best, so we beat up on everybody, you know about that, we call it the edge, where we used to go and beat up on all the AAU team guys, very few people can say they they defeated us on the court, and there was a bunch of unknowns and unnamed and people that were left out that became the best, and that's really what the old black story is all about, so, um, hey, uh, that's my that's my spin on it. Okay, let me go to uh, Kiyaki. Any other comments in St. Louis? You know, uh, L.A., I'm kind of disappointed in you today because I've listened to everybody talk about how much these teams make, but nobody talked about how much they lose. Out of the 129 institution that offer football in Division One, Only 20 turns a profit. The rest of them losing money. Basketball, 129 institutions that sponsoring teams. Your basketball has a small margin of about a million dollars, maybe less than that. Actually, 79000 So we're talking about oh. paying these players. What are you going to pay them with? You know, you so need to – and hang on for a second. The finance reports is online, NCAA yeah, up to yeah. 2016. For the fiscal year 2016, the medium values. So out of all the teams that – and some of these sports don't generate no revenue at all. Bowling, equestrian, fencing, rifle, rugby, sand, right. volleyball. So if you're going to pay right. – those players, what are you going to do with these players? Well, I suggest they don't make the money you think they make. But but if you balance the revenue out, if you balance the revenue out as an athletic department, they do balance the revenue out. They pay for the expenses. You got revenue. What I'm saying is to pay the kids. Sir, listen, you don't have no money to pay to pick. In order to put the game on, the expenses is outspending the revenue. So what have you got to pay anybody? You know, if you got a so business, if you got to buy so tools, you got to buy equipment, and you got to buy so material. You're me, so you're telling me the University of Texas? I'm not telling you nothing. I'm telling you this, and believe they I don't want to get the argument. Hang on for a second. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Go to the NCAA financials. They have them posted online. They list mm-hmm. the schools. Ohio and so on and so on and so on that you've been talking about. You think these schools are making all this money, 
because you're multiplying the number of people that sit in the stands by the ticket cost. But look at the expenses. See, we don't look at one side. Look at the expenses. The expenses is outpacing the revenue. Let me jump in. I, I don't. I don't. I don't. In, in, in my opinion, I, in this hey. world today, I don't believe those numbers are accurate because we all know they can hide money. You can't I knew that was gonna come. I'm sorry, but we live, we live in the Trump world today. We got to be real with it. Absolutely, we got to remember the NCAA is a nonprofit. So yeah, hey, guess what? And real quick, real quick, one more. Guess what? President was is against paying athletes. Barack Obama. Trump oh, is for it, but it ain't no way to pay him. They ain't got the money. They got the money. They share the money, brother. You got uh, plus you got the comment. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? What Bianca is not showing is how much they raise their salaries to to make claims right. that they can get That's the money. Right. See you. These people are getting paid They're from the teachers to the administration. And all of those folks have raised their they have Fetching, they list all the areas how the revenue is generated, and they list all the rev- all the expenses that is being paid from the camp. The medical, hang on for a second. And, and, and please, do we have to get in an argument? You run a business. You know if your expenses is higher than your revenue, your business got to close. And you got a lot of these. Here's here's where to go. When you have schools, that, of those 129 schools, and you only got 20 that's making a profit, well, that revenue in those 20 that's making a profit has to be uh, divvy up amongst the ones that's not in order to keep their doors open. True. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, I'm, on, I'm looking at some of these stats now. That's why one of the primary reasons why, and I, I believe the stats, I'm going to tell you why. The primary reason why they have a booster club is the offset loss. You're right. They got fundraising on here. Men, women, and administrative non-gender sport fundraising compared to the game expenses. The booster club is there to offset those losses. Nobody talks about that, though. We're talking about a county one-on-one. So again, they show so again, they show table table three point nine total generated revenue and expenses by sport division one and we ain't talk and division two and three don't make no money at all they like a rally a uh, McDonald's job true true so you know <laughs> these emotional this- topics I can understand it sounds good but you're only looking at one side of the revenue stream when revenue come yeah. out come in. Revenue got to go out, and what's left over yeah. is either profits or net loss. Okay, but don't don't penalize the kids, and don't don't penalize the kids or the program. Then if you're not going to come up with a solution, if they if they underhand paying the kids, or if they're going through an agency where the kids can go pro, they either need yeah. to let the kids go pro straight out of high school and let them make that decision. Or all right, well, hold on. Right. All right, when it comes to kids that are going pro out of high school, 
that's that once again that's less than one percent. Again, I, I agree with you, but again, this is this is something Jay Williams and I agree with him. And if baseball has a, a farm league, why can't basketball have a farm league? You know, well, they can. They do have foreign leads. It's called college yeah, and, but and high school. But you're on the but you're on the plan of kids in the G League, twenty five thousand. That's the average salary. So it's up the salary in the G League. So if kids want to come out of high school and they don't get drafted, then you go to that. Because every every team in the NBA doesn't have a minor league team yet. So that's one issue. But if you get every team in the NBA that has a minor league team, draft the kids and that kid is not ready for the NBA, then he has a guaranteed contract still in the G League, but and they need to up the salary. Because it's not going to stop in college sports unless they come with it with paying the kids. This right here that just happened last week, it, that right there just told you, we're going to have to come up with some kind of solution. Because it's, LA. it's not going to stop. Yeah, L.A., you know my grandson, my grandson attended LSU right now. He's playing for the baseball team. He's playing for the okay. – for the. he's playing baseball for LSU. He's the only black player on the travel team. They don't right. give scholarships to them baseball players because they don't generate any revenue. Right, right. Hmm. 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 See, hmm. you guys, you have to look at hmm. the complete business. These are businesses. Businesses that mm-hmm. operate in the red don't stay around long. Right. That's true. Now you make you make now, a, you know, make a like great point. For you that, make a great point. For the booster club. Oh, see, here's the function of a booster club. Oh, like I said, the booster club offsets a lot of losses. The booster club also bankrolls a lot of scholarships. The booster club mm-hmm. also bankrolls a lot of the travel expenses. You know, the airplane tickets, hotel expenses, they get a tax write-off for it. They get a job for their business. But a lot of people don't, they don't factor that in. So do you think the money should come from the NCAA? If they do pay the players? Once again, because he's using that word pay. The players on scholarship is compensation that has an True. actual cash value. True. Now, That's once true. again, now at the beginning of the podcast, I say, all right, look, if you using Georgetown University, all right, mm-hmm. Georgetown University, I mean, tuition is a little bit over sixty-six thousand dollars a year. So you talk to a mm-hmm. seventeen and eighteen year old, say, uh, you give them two choices. Do you want a scholarship that's valued at $66,000 a year plus meal money and all these other perks, or do we pay you $66,000 a year and you got to spend for yourself when it comes to food and shelter? And it's going to be taxed. Now, that's the options you got. For me, I'd rather take the scholarship Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I pay for my grandson's tuition, which is forty some odd thousand dollars and up, mm-hmm. out of my pocket. Mm-hmm. Now his first year, mm-hmm. he had all kinds of scholarships from uh, the neighborhood and organizations and this, that, and the other. But the, you know the, those scholarships, many of them is good for one year. Now he had a baseball scholarship from the St. Louis Cardinals, and that was covered four years for a certain amount of money. But the money, the money come out of my pocket. His training and everything. Well, Parky, Pianki, you bring up a good point. Uh, the brother from Morehouse did too. 
Because the way the, I, mean, I believe the system is still like this. Let's say they pay you for one year. And let's say mm-hmm. you flunk out of school in that year or get injured in that mm-hmm. year. All right, you got $66,000 this year. You don't get next nothing next year because you flunked out or got hurt. And your and your and your federal aid, if you don't maintain a certain grade, stop. Here's another problem too. Many of these athletes, these black athletes, do not carry no high-paying majors. They don't carry engineering. They don't carry biology. They don't carry uh, the sciences because because they require a lot of time of study. If you carry 15 credit hours, you're going to need to study for two and a half to three hours a week. That's 45 hours. The NCAA only allow an athlete to practice 25 hours a week. That's 70 hours total. That's right. And and then they can't work. You can't do Mm -hmm. it. These white athletes, these white athletes are majoring in sports medicine and coaching and stuff like that, which is the easy subjects. You don't have these athletes that's majoring in no engineering, no uh, medical, ain't nowhere in the world that they can do that unless they super superhuman. He was an electrical engineering major, and he didn't have no social life for four years. Zero. Yeah. That's a good point because if you look at if you look at the players down here at Georgia Tech, the ones that have left after their first year, all their majors was business management, and that's purposely done versus them doing an engineer major or something like that that Georgia Tech specializes. Like now let's look at that. Out. Let's take they take a minute to look at that. Mm-hmm. One of the one of the reasons why I come to your historical black colleges is is not is doing terrible financially. Because the alumni don't give endowments. They don't contribute to the endowment. Well, look at this. If you are majoring, if you are overrepresented in low-paying majors, where are you going to have discretionary funds to give back to the school? Good point. Good point. Yeah. Now, Walt, you know something about that. So that's what needs to be talked about. We talk about the emotion on the one end, but you don't talk about the realistic on the other end. My grandson, he had two things to do. Play baseball and he got them damn grades in. And he's still doing that. He's double majoring. Pardon me? What I was talking about Yeah. Um as far as the revenue producing sports, football and basketball are the revenue producing sports major schools where we were talking about this billion dollar industry and they do they allot the money to the different programs the bowling, the base the baseball and so forth. And from and and from there what they what hold on a minute. Can you hear me? Yeah yeah we can hear you. Yeah, they allot they allot the money to base to to the to the to the, to the other sports. This discussion, this topic, I thought was about should athletes who are part of the revenue-producing sports be paid. It's not about the sideline sports of baseball and 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 uh, and, 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 and all the other stuff that comes along with it. You, you, by the time that gentleman finished speaking, I'm feeling sorry for Coach Shashky, whose money is guaranteed, who's never going to have to worry about. 
where he getting his money. We're worried about should the kids get their money and should they maybe get it over the baseball or the revenue producing sports or should those other sports also well, be well, you know what, that sir? Money goes to the athletic that money goes to the athletic department. Yeah, you know what, sir? What you said is not true. All football programs do not make money. So what are you going to do? Well, wait a minute. Hang on for a second. Hang on for a second. Okay, I hear what you're saying, but wait a minute. Let's listen at this. Do you know you got... Wait a minute. Hang on for a second. Can you discriminate? Can you discriminate? You can't discriminate at that level. So you cannot pay... Hang on for a second. This is what the law says under Title IX. You cannot discriminate. If you're going to do to this player, you got to do to the other ones in the other sports team, too. You can't discriminate. And we're discriminating against the kids. This is what this discussion is all about. Can we get the kids under some clear Title IX, my brother? They are not discriminating against the kids. We wrote Title IX. We are so busy. It's not about the message of the, of, the, of the legislation. It's who wrote the legislation, and our kids are being victimized. Don't you, you know? You, you, you jumped on Obama. You said our kids don't get education. The black kids don't take the right classes. Let I mean, me, I don't mean wrong, brother, but you sound like a well, let me. Well, see, now we go into calling names. I pay for my child's education. Wait a minute, hang on for a second. I pay for my child's education. But here's the thing: you got all these sports. You got all these sports that's participating by white students. Don't you think them white folks would have came up with a way for their kids to get paid? Oh, we ran out of time, people. We're talking about how to allow the money that these billionaires are making.